FM. This is Downstream, a podcast about the present and future of streaming media. This is episode 48, recorded July 12th, 2023. I am your master of ceremonies, Jason Snell. And with me, as always, is Julia Alexander, Director of Strategy at Parrot Analytics. Hi, Julia. Hey, Jason. How are you? I'm doing great. Welcome home. Oh, thank you. You you traveled the globe. We did two episodes where you were traveling. Uh, You went to lots of places, but you're home now. I'm home and I'm so excited. And the only noise we have to contend with instead of AirPod noise is like my kitchen is being fixed. So I'm hoping that goes well, but also the sounds of New York City. Sounds of New York City are back and uh, they're resurfacing my street today. So a very large truck may come down at any moment. Oh, I wow. I honestly don't know. They were, It was very loud. Just before we started, it was extremely noisy in here, but now it's quiet. So maybe they're done. I don't know. I hope you're going to get that nice, like shiny street, which is always, I love. Oh yeah. It's going to be super, streets. super smooth and, and shiny and sealed. <laughs> so that part will be nice for a little while. Um, just a reminder, this is one of those even numbered episodes. So if you're not a Downstream Plus subscriber, this will be uh, a little bit shorter than our other episodes are, the the odd numbered episodes. Uh, if you want to become a subscriber and you haven't yet, go to downstream.plus to do that. I wanted to start with some follow-up. It's sort of, follow- I mean, we, we keep an eye on like how the streamers are doing in a lot of other categories. The Emmy nominations came out uh, today as we're recording this and um, totals, you, you want to kind of tally up how the streamers are doing versus each other. It's a little bit difficult because HBO led the way with 127 nominations. That, of course, <laughs> includes HBO originals as well as things called, you know, the Max originals. There were only two Max originals that got nominations, though. So it's really HBO um, stuff that aired on HBO, which is very impressive. Um, but behind them, Netflix with 103 And then a big drop down to Apple with 46, Hulu and Amazon Prime Video with 42 each. Disney Plus had 40. And I'll point out FX, which goes on to Hulu, got 37, but it is a traditional cable channel that then spins off into into, um, Hulu. So if if you roll Disney together, you would get a number that was closer to HBO, actually. It would be around 120. But yeah. that that's not how we do it here. So they don't get to do that. Uh, any Anything strike you about the... Uh, about the, I mean, it's really, it's just everybody's scorekeeping here. But I think it's interesting to see um, where they all ended up. And I, I was amused. I mean, it's mostly Ted Lasso, but I was amused to see Apple um, higher than Hulu, Prime, and Disney+. Plus. That was pretty funny. And Ted Lasso is technically a Warner Brothers television show. So congrats to Warner Brothers yeah. Discovery on that. That's always tour. They tout it. It's always really funny. Um, like this will come up with Abbott Elementary and like the way that they they add to their to Jason's point, like Disney will combine everything and then all the shows they also produce and sell elsewhere. Right. All of a sudden become Disney shows again. And um, it's always very fun. I, I will say it it, it was quite in, uh, not interesting. I think it was pretty much obvious to anyone who's kind of been paying attention to the TV industry. So all of our listeners, Jason and I, that HBO is kind of going to gonna sweep with this. I mean, 27 nominees, nominations for succession alone. Yeah. I, I jokingly said to someone at HBO today, I said, wow, it's almost like the Oprah Winfrey meme of like, you get a car and you get a car. It was like, if you appeared on on camera in the last season of succession, you got an Emmy nomination. Mm. Um, and it does feel though this year, like, it's not the Emmys, you know, it's HBO, you know, if it's not TV, it's HBO. And, yeah. and it does, I think there is this um, moment with the Emmys where a few years ago, you'll remember this, Jason, we were all 
debating like and this is something that i know jason has in the show notes too of like you know what is a comedy what is a drama and we can get into that but i i think what we also saw a few years ago was people being like it's weird having the emmys on broadcast tv stations when broadcast is just not represented at all anymore at the emmys like abbott elementary is basically it uh, in terms of what people are, are still watching and nominating at the emmys um and it's kind of Nice to see HBO almost return as king for a while. It was HBO, Netflix, HBO, Netflix, and now it's it's very much HBO, and it, it does feel like there's some semblance of normalcy back at the Emmys. But I, I think the biggest takeaway always for me at the Emmys is like this is the why you pay writers. This is why writers are important. You yeah. can't have something like the Emmys without acknowledging the writing of these TV shows, and the actors have very little to work with if the writing is not as good. And so as uh, there's a strike going on, it should really be a conversation about you know, the, the, the writer's strike happening. And yeah, HBO, we've talked a lot about David Zeslav coming in and cuts and HBO max becoming max and mm-hmm. demote, you know, sort of deprioritizing HBO brand to be a sub brand within max and all of that. It is, you know, again, for somebody like David Zaslav, I know he's looking at the world in terms of um, a balance sheet and in terms of how much money he he owes um, and all of that. But at the same time, it is hard not to, if you're Casey Bloys, for example, to point at 127 nominations for HBO and say, look, we're outdoing Netflix. This is, we are the most valuable entertainment brand in television uh, in terms of uh, recognition and and critical acclaim. And that's not everything, but it's also not nothing, right? right? So I think that in a time when HBO feels a little battered for them to be able to point to the fact that they, they were way above Netflix in total nominations, um, I, I, you know, good for them. Good for them. Because I think that that accurately reflects, if not, you know, total viewership or all of that, it accurately reflects where they are in the culture in a lot of ways. And and the the, the only thing we will we'll say um, about this, because I think it's a very important point that Jason's bringing up, all of these executives want to win awards, right? Like they love the award season. This is they a, they, they're, they're, they're media people with the media and media loves nothing more than talking and celebrating media. Uh, and um, so you kind of see this with, I mean, Succession having 27 nominations alone. Um, and although that show definitely deserves all those nominations. And while I think it actually might create a bit of a problem in the lead actor category, I think it might actually go to Bob Odenkirk uh, for many reasons. But when we look at it and we talk about succession, just to add to what Jason's saying, you know, it's a show that did well. People watched it, people loved it, but it wasn't, you know, huge numbers. It's not Stranger Things. And so there is this thing we have to talk about, which is, you know, shows like Criminal Minds, shows like NCIS, like they don't get nominated for a lot of these types of awards but we know they're well loved you know big bang theory did get nominated for a bunch of comedy stuff one modern family did and those have kind of gone away in terms of nominating things like the bear and barry in these comedy categories which i love both shows dearly i would argue neither of those shows were comedies in their seasons in their last seasons but um not final their last seasons well very final uh but this idea that this is a reflection of all of america or all of the world when we know for a fact it's not should also be repeated. So if you're kind yep. of sitting there and you're like my mom, for example, and she goes, I don't watch any of these shows, but she does watch a lot of TV. And it's like, well, that's fine. You know, like it's not necessarily celebrating this 
moment of all of TV. I think what we're saying is there are television series, they tend to be prestigious series that are doing exceptionally well and moving the needle on what we consider television to be. Um, but I, I always think there's there's this moment of like, well, what about this show that's like really beloved? Like, like I always hear from people who watch reality TV, like they never see Real Housewives nominated. And I say, well, why would it be? Like, those are great shows, right. but is that something, you know, what are we saying about what that show really does hey, for television? Van- or Vanderpump is on television? Rules got nominated. So, you know, Vanderpump rules is out there exactly and so so it is it is a funny thing where the emmys are this moment of like yes everybody wants an emmy award same with the oscars like netflix spends a a ton of money on its award season marketing and and going out and promotion and promoting does not necessarily translate to views and that's fine because you need both right quality and you need your your viewership right i would be the last person to point at a total number of emmy nominations and see see this is the most viable business that's not it but (laughs) you 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 disregarded it at your peril as well because it matters it matters to literally everybody on the creative side who you're going to be making deals with for content right not only it matters to your executives it matters to your marketing team and it really matters to the actors and directors and writers and producers and everybody because this is where they get that this is they raise their rates and it, and and they improve you know what what they can what they can ask and they make deals and they and they get the warm fuzzies because it's absolutely true that they care and about it just from a pure neediness human being neediness standpoint and so it, it you can't disregard it um it, it does i think give somebody like casey yes. Bloys more ammunition which i think is good in a moment Absolutely. where there might they might be coming for his budget or coming for his brand to say no 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 we are vital because of this and yeah if you're an up-and-comer honestly if you're apple you get to point at that and say see we're relevant we're playing the game here and and that's relevant too we mentioned barry and the bear so um, which is not BJ and the Bear, which was a TV show that was on when I was a kid. Uh, Barry and the Bear, not comedies, nominated the comedy category. And I know people say, well, you know, comedy is half hour. It's not, I mean, Mrs. Maisel is in the comedy category. That's a comedy that's an hour long, right? Barry and the Bear, not comedies. Barry arguably was a black comedy di- turned into not by the last season. The Bear never was a comedy. Never, ever, no. ever, ever. It's It's a... 30-minute-ish show most of the time, but not a comedy. And this is the part that gets me. Like, I don't know. Did I assume that they put it in the comedy category because it was a half hour and they knew they weren't going to be able to crack the drama category, which is brutal. But, like, it's the wrong category. And I, I feel like, look, Emmys are illogical anyway and they do weird stuff and all of that. But, like, if you're in the Emmy... Uh, power center, I would say you got to look at something like this and, and say, we need some more rules <laughs> about what, if we're going to break up our, our content in this way, drama and comedy, which is not like it used to be. It's very hard to draw those lines on a lot of shows. But if we're going to do it, we need to be stricter about where a show goes because honestly, if, if they should have looked at the bear being submitted as a comedy and said, no, not a lot. No, unacceptable. I mean, this was an issue. You'll remember this, Jason. This was an issue back with Orange is the New Black yeah. and Netflix to the point where Seth Meyers in 2014 did a whole joke about this for like two or three minutes in his monologue. This idea of like, we don't know what a drama is and we don't know what a comedy is anymore. We don't know what is like an original program is. Is it streaming? Is it linear? Like, is it premium cable? And they've kind of figured out the streaming side they've been like yeah like we know how to put netflix in a certain categories and we know that these are just you know types of shows or these are movies or whatever they might be i also think it's really weird that prey 
got nominated, which was the Predator movie, and it got nominated yeah. for a TV movie because it, it aired on Hulu. Like, like all yeah. these things don't make any sense, but I think the comedy and drama category decision alongside miniseries has been this ongoing talk with the the academy and a big part in my opinion i I, there are awards experts who who can tell me if i'm wrong or right Hmm. but is the when you have these types of shows even looking beyond the 30 minute format hour format because they've kind of changed that up what you're it's really easy to manipulate so this idea of like oh we have a better chance of being of winning if we're in comedy or if we have a better chance of winning if we're in miniseries and so they kind of make it work within the time frame and then they're in terms of the length of it and they say well it's kind of is how we're how we're looking at it and you saw this happen a lot with the miniseries a lot and hbo would get dragged for this where hbo was submitting a lot of these kind of seven eight episode uh um, shows and kind of saying well it's like a one season thing or it's an anthology so we're going to put it as a mini series because it had a better chance of, of winning that category than it did in drama and so they were like well we'll submit it in that one and i just think you're like you can kind of get away with it with drama and mini series but like the idea of barry anyone who has seen barry <laughs> last season <laughs> is like this show is not a comedy like it, it, but but hbo also labels it as such and so it's a really complicated procedure yeah. and i think that i think it actually speaks to how complex a lot of our TV has gotten, right? If you look yeah. at film, because film is kind of separated into this is for families, this is superhero, and then this is like Oscar bait. Like you can actually see it. Like it's like mm-hmm. there's your categories. It gets easier to say, well, that's probably going to get nominated for an Oscar and that's not. On television, where they're broken down into the genres again, it's really complicated to be like, I don't know, this goes through the whole, you know, complexity of, of human emotions and humans aren't just dramatic and sad or funny and like aloof. And so the idea of saying, well, this is a drama, this is a, a comedy, when most of these shows are now dramedies. Like the yeah. idea, I was looking at the, the comedy category and I'm looking at Abbott Elementary, Only Murders in the Building, and I'm like, and Marvel, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I'm like, those are comedies. I can see that. Yes. Then you had The Bear and you had Barry and you're like, these are dramas. And then there's like Wednesday. And you're like, I don't think Wednesday is a comedy, but I, go, I don't think it's a drama either. It's like a creature of the week procedural. Mm-hmm. And so like, what is this show? Like, I guess comedy, like, because it maybe has a better chance of winning comedy. So you submit it as such. Like, none of it makes sense. And this really only matters <laughs> to like people who care about the Emmys. But like, it is a weird thing to say, like, how do we categorize entertainment? Um, And especially when you're going to hopefully bring in new viewers to these shows because of the Emmys. You know, my mom might say, what is the bear? It's winning all these awards. Fine. It's, it, it must be a comedy. I'm going to watch it. And she might watch it and like it, but it's like Ooh, not a comedy. It's not, like, it's a. Oh, can right? you imagine somebody flipping on the bear saying, Hey, this is going to be a comedy. It's like, <laughs> it is one of the most intense viewing experiences you will ever have. It is not, it's funny, right? In the sense that all of these shows are funny and serious, uh, but almost all of them, like the good ones are, but it, it is not a comedy in any way other than that its average runtime is around half an hour and therefore you could cheat and put it in there and that's totally what happened right is that hulu was like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. let's call it a comedy because we can't win in the drama category which is funny because mm-hmm. i think the bear uh it, having just watched season two of the bear i think the bear is one of our best shows <laughs> I, I really do think Hands it's down. one of the five best tv shows that have made programs in the last year right like i really do but i get that you're like but th- but then you're up against like ted lasso and jason sudeikis and like w- 
and then and then it's a neither fish nor fowl thing. Look, it doesn't it doesn't really matter in the end. But just if we're going to care at all about awards, I look at this and I think you got to do something different. Maybe do something radical. This just came up with the Tony Awards too, right? Where the Tony yeah. Awards had some non-binary actors that were like, "What category do you want to be in?" And then it comes up with this whole conversation of like, "Why do we separate those awards by gender?" But if you do that. And then you and, and then you collapse it into a single performance category, and then men win all the time. You're like, well, wait a second, that's not what we wanted to have happen. So it's a it's it's like there's a lot of complexity here. I I almost want to say, you know, you could could you break it up by genre and then have a best in show or something like that. I I would think that if you're a if you're in Hollywood and if you run an yeah. award, more nominations and more awards is good, right? Like more people can say, look at me, I got nominated. Did, I don't know, you know. Jason, I actually didn't look into this. I know that Jeremy Allen White got nominated. He got nominated for comedic actor. I, I don't. I'm. Yep. I because that that's but that is you know it's what the, if he wins for best yeah. comedic actor right then well, we need to redefine yeah. what comedy is. yeah well that again it's baffling to me because he he's the lead in the bear uh he plays a very troubled chef um he he is a he, it's a good performance right but like Fantastic. I would I would put that performance up against uh the people in the drama category for yeah, Jeremy sure. Strong all the succession people right. Yeah. Uh, Bill Hader, I would put up in the drama category, but no, yes. he's in the comedy category. At least he's somebody who's famous for being a comedian, but it's, it's not so a comedic funny, performance. The, it's so funny, the idea. I just, I, I, for some reason, was like, he must be drama, but no, it would be comedy. It's oh. so funny, the idea of him and Bill Hader going up against like Jason Zudeikis. Right? It's like, because one is like, yes, that, like, that is comedic and it has dramatic elements, but it's comedic. And the other two are like pure dramas. Yes. I don't think I laughed once. The entire new season of The Bear. I was too like, oh my God, what's happening? And then if anyone hasn't seen The Bear yet, this is just basically Jason and I talk about The Bear. Yep. But um, it's the at the sixth episode is this kind of insanely stacked cast. Yep. Uh, that one's an hour episode. long. And it's an hour long. And it is <laughs> it is maybe the best episode of television in, in recent memory. And uh, it is the opposite of a comedy yeah. and, and and the idea that i'm like that's the episode that i can think of that's like wow like this show really deserves all these awards it's the one that's like and that's going up against abbott elementary and you're like what in what yeah. world are these even c- comparable the bear is a real laugh riot it is not watch it but don't wait <laughs> don't expect a comedy it's not one that's fx's new tag is yep. the bear is a real laugh, laugh riot. riot best comedy on tv says uh <laughs> the emmys i guess but no it's not I don't know. It's a good. Uh, it's a good show. That's what it is. It's a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we can. We we'll move on from the Emmys. The Emmys continue to baffle Tim Goodman and I. Would every year talk about how baffled we were by the Emmys. It's just what it, they. It's just what they are. They're it's awards for art, which can't don't exist anyway. Really, you can't. Uh, awards for it don't make any sense. They never do, but the Emmys does a special job of not making sense. I wanted to talk about something that we left on the table last time um, that you wrote about. And and we talk a lot about Netflix and how we measure whether a show is succeeding or not in a world where we don't have... I mean, there are Nielsen ratings and things like that, but there's all this proprietary direct data that comes from the streamers, but they don't want to share it. And so Netflix, when uh, around when we started this show launch their top 10 site and it's a very informative fun site you know by movies and shows and worldwide and individual countries and it's great but 
they recently have changed how they're calculating that mm. top 10 list. Um, and the way that you phrased it is take the total hours watched, divide it by the number of episodes or length of a film, and you arrive at a theoretical number of completed views. So the idea here is they're, they're, they're doing a division by total amount of thing to get a view number instead of a total minutes number, which on one level it means that if you a show in the old numbers a show with uh you know 10 hours is going to have the potential to accumulate a lot more minutes of viewing time than a show with eight half hours like they're not going to be close on the other hand this allows netflix to distort things in a different way so what do you think here why why did they make this change and what um what does it what does it show us and what does it hide from us is <laughs> really what i'm curious about yeah so 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 much of this is Theoretical, but I think what's really funny about this officiality, I'm going to make, use that word, it's not a real word, the, the idea of making this official from Netflix mm. is that this is what armchair analysts, I include myself in this, a lot of my friends, especially on Twitter, there's a group of us, have been using for yeah. years, right? Like this yeah. is just what we've done. It's kind of like a theoretical completed yeah. You, see the, you reason- see the minutes and then you do the division in your head, right? Right. And the reason that we started doing it this way was because, okay, if we're going to try to make this comparable to, if you're going to try and take all these different numbers and create an apples to apples system, which is extremely difficult, you can kind of do this if you break those down into minutes, look at Nielsen's minutes, right? Like you can kind of get into like, okay, well, here's what these completed views look like. This gets into a whole other, I mean, we could do a whole episode on like the issue with all these methodologies, but you know, they're still not apples to apples because Netflix is looking at all accounts viewing on all devices. You know, Nielsen is not. Nielsen's looking at a very specific sample size and it's a whole different thing on certain on certain devices. Um, but this idea that we've been doing this for years. And the funny thing with Netflix is they said, here's kind of this theoretical completed view. And I remember when this came out and I said, so I had my colleagues at Puck and I was like, Netflix would have the information on this. Netflix doesn't have to est- estimate it. They would have like, here's how many accounts finished it. Yeah. Here's how many accounts got to 70%. Remember, they used to have this. It used to be you're either a beginner, which means you watch two minutes or like it was like less than like 10% or something of a show. You're a watcher if you got to 70% of a completed run through of a title. So let's say there's 10 episodes, you got seven episodes of a film, you got to 70% of the film and you were a uh, like finisher or whatever if you got to 95%. So you whatever, basically finished it. And this idea is like they still have that info. That info is very important because here's the reason why any of this matters. One, yes, we like to we as 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 humans like to know what other people are watching. We like to know what people are, are keeping up with, so that way we also feel like we're part of the zeitgeist. But two, more importantly to the listeners of this uh, podcast, you can use a lot of this information to kind of determine the overall value at, at, from a very basic level of a show or a film. And how do we do that without knowing a lot of the information? If a film is staying in the top 10 for Netflix globally over the span of like six, seven weeks, the longevity of that as a film over seven weeks speaks to the ability to kind of maintain this audience. This is part of the reason they changed the numbers, right? They wanted to show that Wednesday actually surpassed Stranger Things when you looked at the amount of completed views in the weeks that it was in the top 10 based on the amount of hours that it had because it was a little bit less than, than Stranger Things. And so there was this idea of like what actually constitutes a valuable uh, um, acquisition or valuable title for Netflix. And then furthermore, what does that longevity, what does that travelability, so where which regions is it in? What does that momentum and the level of momentum that it sees, what does that tell us about what this title is actually worth? Now, when you're dealing 
with streaming platforms that up until very recently were specifically just subscriber video on demand platforms, right? There was no advertising. This was kind of everything. If you spent $100 million on a movie and that movie disappeared after one week and had like 20 million people watch it, is that movie as successful as a $5 million movie that stayed in the top 10 for 10 weeks and aggregated, you know, 100 million views, right? This idea of like, actually, what does matter to Netflix? What is working for Netflix? What is not working for Netflix? Then we can start getting into these brand identity, these audience questions. We can start to build up an idea of like what these numbers actually mean when when we're trying to figure out this apples to apples scenario. And especially when everything is operating in the closed garden, right? So this, you've heard Jason and I talk about this, this idea that like, we kind of know what Netflix is doing now. We still have no idea what Prime Video is doing, no idea what Disney Plus is doing other than if we look at Nielsen, no idea what HBO Max is doing. And so it's really hard to say this really works here. This is comparable to this over there. And we, we really don't know. So Netflix, to the company's credit, after all my ranting, Netflix is saying we're trying to figure out how to be a little bit more transparent with their data, except that they're not, right? They're, they're basically saying, what, what they said when they launched this. We're the only company that can get these kind of numbers. We're the only company that can get these kind of numbers at length and at scale in multiple countries. And we're the only company that can probably do this with mostly originals. And part of what I wrote in my piece was theoretically, this benefits Netflix originals even more because it looks at the completed views against the number of hours, right? These theoretical completed views. So if you think about a Grey's Anatomy or an NCIS or a Criminal Minds. These are the, the reason that they, that they surface so often in Nielsen is because Nielsen works to that advantage. The amount of minutes you watch tends to be better if you have more episodes. People just naturally watch more in their longer episodes. So you have a 50 minute show with, you know, 200 episodes that people can watch instead of a 30 minute show with eight episodes. This is why it's always really impressive when Coco Melon consistently appears at the top of Nielsen because it's like six episodes at 45 minutes each, an hour each that are just constantly, excuse me, constantly being rewatched uh, by kids. And so with this transition, Netflix theoretically could um, see its originals benefit. If you look at the top 10, it's typically eight seven to eight originals. Now it's been about nine originals a, a week since they've kind of instituted this. Um, whether or not that's part of the design of the change, I, I don't know. But the whole situation is kind of this boasting from Netflix to be able to say, yes, we have all these hours that are being viewed. Here's the simple math on it for people who don't want to do that. Here's what this means when comparing against, you know, the amount of people actually watching versus the amount of hours that go into this, you know, looking at the episode count. But all of it is a way to say we're Netflix and we're the best. Well, of course, that this is the I had this conversation with somebody about uh, Apple at one point. It's the same story, right? Which is essentially it, it, in the end, what they disclose is what they want to look good with. That's why they do it. But would you would you say that you think that this are you happier with the new number than the old number? You know, it's a great question. I think I've been operating off the old, off the new number myself <laughs> right. for so long that it's like, oh yeah, this is just what we do. I, I think it's interesting in that you get new conversations about it because people who weren't doing that can now start doing it. Um, I worry about what it may be potentially missing out on. Um, I, I'm interested to see what it highlights that might not have been highlighted before. Again, you have these things that are like three episodes and all of a sudden like based on the amount of hours completed or whatever it might be they they pop into the top 10 um and so i i do think it's a better look at netflix originals um i and i think it's, it's really important for the international side of the equation i don't think it's 
a huge change. And I think one of the things that grinded my gears, part of the reason I wrote about it, was that everyone kept labeling this as like a new big deal. And I was like, it's not. Like they've just repurposed their own data. Like what they've done is what we've been doing. And they've been like, okay, we're going to do that too. And so I got into a debate with some friends who work at trades and they said, you know, you know, but it is new for people who aren't paying attention to it. And I said, but those people, they don't, they're not paying attention to it now. It's not like the, all of a sudden this ushered in a huge new consumer group that was like, oh, we're going to look at it. It's like, no, it's the same group of people who are looking at this and are now looking at it in a slightly different light. And so it, it's really hard to say, is it good or bad? I think partially it's too early, but partially it's Netflix re-manipulating its own data uh, in a way to kind of make it seem more transparent. I don't necessarily think it is, um, but I, they... They still deserve credit for being the only company right now that's doing anything in terms of, you know, here's what people are actually watching. It's true. It's true. And it does serve them on top of that. Okay. If you're not a Downstream Plus subscriber, this brings us to the end of the show. Every other episode, most of the show is available just for supporters. This is one of those. If you'd like to support us, go to downstream.plus to get full versions of every single episode, access to the Relay FM Discord, which is very cool, bonus shows from Relay FM, and a whole lot more. You can find Director of Strategy Julia at Loudmouth Julia on Twitter and Blue Sky and Threads. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, and and you know what? Just if someone could tell me, Jason, maybe it's you. Where we're supposed to hang out now? I don't know. I just want to be on one place. I know, I know. We're, we'll we'll it'll all shake out eventually. Uh, you, you in, in the meantime, hang out at puck.news or paradanalytics.com. Those are places where Julia works. You could hang out at sixcolors.com. That's where all of my stuff goes, including links to my podcast here at Relay FM and over at the Incomparable as well. But that brings us to the end of this episode of Downstream. Until next time, Julia, say goodbye. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody.